Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. L.A.-based comedian and podcaster Rhea Butcher is well aware that there are some bad things going on in today's world. But the focus of Butcher's latest stand-up show lies elsewhere, with the good stuff. The Midwest Native's Good Things Comedy Tour comes to St. Louis this weekend for a Sunday evening show at the Ready Room. Butcher joined St. Louis Public Radio reporter Kay Petrin for a conversation yesterday in advance of the show. Rhea Butcher, thanks for joining us on the show, taking your time. Um, when you sit down to put together a show like Good Things, what's your process? Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's real great to be on, and I'm, I'm stoked to be back in St. Louis. Um, I put this show together, like, over the course of a bunch of months, you know? So I didn't so much as sit down as I stood up. That's a joke for you. That's a free one. Um, but... Uh, I was working out some material in the winter, you know, and then I kept writing new material. And um, what's funny is I realized in the in the process of doing that, like I've, I've begun to see what's procrastination and what's process because I have a new like sort of through line in the set that literally could not have happened any sooner than it did, which is like two weeks ago. Um, and so that's been kind of liberating to realize like, oh, maybe not everything that I do is procrastination. Sometimes you have to like let the ideas exist for a certain amount of time and you never know how much time that is. Um, so I've really enjoyed putting this together and it's a lot of fun to get there, you know, um, and it's been a lot of fun. I've done a couple shows recently and they've got they've, been, they've just been a lot of fun. So that's what's um, that was what the purpose was when I started out at the beginning of the year of putting together a new hour of stuff was to like try to have some fun, talk about real things, but try to have some fun too. So, what are the some of the themes that come out in this new set? Um, well, if you want to get into themes, I mean, I definitely am just like trying to have a good time, you know, because I called it good things uh, for that reason because I think you know it's it's easy and also true that. Um, there are a lot of bad things going on, you know, but there are also a lot of good things going on, you know, um, to, to, to only look at the bad would be to give in to the bad. I feel like in, in these times. And so it, to, to have a good time or to spend time in goodness and having fun and being kind and being joyous and happy is not to ignore the bad things. It's actually like a form of like self-care and like growth and um, invigoration to take care of each other I've found. And I don't think that I am like the one that gets to, but I I'm grateful to get to provide an attempt at that, like an hour out of somebody's day that they get to go like have a good time with a bunch of other people. I think those things are really powerful these days. Um, and something else that I talk about, in, in my set is, um, you know, like gender stuff that, that always sort of comes up because that's my experience of life almost every day, you know, because we live in such a gendered world that even though I kind of live outside of like my actual personhood is sort of outside of that, I'm in collision with that every day. Um, and so I try to find the like, you know, hilarity in that sort of con confusion on both sides of things. I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily confused anymore, but other people are. <laughs> yeah, and you came out uh, publicly as non-binary on Twitter last year. How has coming out uh -huh. changed your relationship to comedy? Well, I mean, something that I, and this is just for me, like 
the thing is, I'm, I'm always talking about my my experience. You know, it's very specific to me. So I don't, I don't claim to have like the experience on anything, but I just have an experience that perhaps people can relate to pieces or parts or the whole thing. Um, but for me, like saying publicly that I was non-binary and using they them pronouns for me was not actually coming out. You know, um, I feel, and, and again, this is just specifically for me, so I'm not making some some dictation for everybody else. But um, because I came out as like, you know, gay lesbian when I was 19 and then also essentially at 28, like it was a couple steps, you know, to coming out. Um, and that to me, like I came out and that that was it, you know, like I was out and that was it. Um, and I like smashed the closet, you know, and but but saying publicly and to myself, really, that I was non-binary was more of just like an understanding of myself and like just a new not phase of development, but just like this is, oh, this, oh, this thing that we're talking about and I've been talking about and thinking about, oh, that's actually me because I wasn't hiding it. You know, it, there was nothing for me to come out to. I was just like, oh, this is this is me now. Um, and so I just make that distinction because I, I think it's different. You know, my experience of it has been different. I didn't have shame around it. I didn't have, uh, you know, I wasn't like, oh, hey, I'm walking out of this closet. I, I just was going like, oh, yeah, this is like a thing that that you can be. <laughs> I just didn't, you know, it was like, oh, that fits me. And also, like, it's informed my comedy because I talk about it. And, you know, and um, it's just something that like being non-binary is something that for me exists very sort of individually for me. There's a lot of people that understand it. I, I'm blessed to like live in a place like Los Angeles, but I'm sure that in St. Louis, there are many, many, many people that are open and understanding about this. But um, not everybody knows that that's what's up with me. And so it's a continual understanding. And it really is just like, a sort of inside space of myself. Um, I hope that makes sense. It's not like I'm keeping it inside. It's just like, that is an inside place because I mean, I walk around and some people think that I'm straight. Like I have no idea what people's experience of me is anymore. And that is kind of why like being non-binary is so freeing. Cause I've just been like, Oh, this is who I am. And I know that about myself and not everybody's going to know that. And I don't need everybody to know that. I just get to know that. Yeah, there's a lot of tension in comedy right now um, with some fans speaking out against uh, comics telling jokes about gender or sexuality. They're uh, hurtful. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious, your the, the work that you do is often very, I think, uh, gentle and sort of uplifting in, in those areas. And I'm mm. kind of curious on your take on, you know, as a person who's jokes are on many of the same topics what your take is mm-hmm. on that sort of conversation about how to tell those jokes i mean here's my take i don't have a take and i know that might sound like a cop-out but like as a comic these days in you know september of 2019 my job is my comedy my job is not to tell other comedians what they can and can't do like as a person i can have an opinion but that's as a person and like my ultimate job, like, I I can scream from the rooftop, don't say this, don't say that, don't say you can't say this, you can't say that. I can't make anybody listen to me, you know? I, I, I cannot. I can say it until I'm blue in the face. Or I can worry about what I say and the content of 
my comedy and I can worry about what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to achieve and like what I'm trying to say to people. And even at that point, I can't make them listen. But I do think that um, for me, I, I just, my job is not to tell other comedians what to do because like I've been told what to do by other comedians and it's not, I'm not a huge fan of that. So I'm not saying that people having an opinion about it is wrong. I'm just like, my job is as a comic to be a comic. And like I put out, and I really appreciate what you said that like what I'm saying is, uh, you know, like gentle and caring. And like, that's all I can really do is like put out my work and my material and hope that people can relate to it and laugh at it and find it to be funny, you know? Okay. Uh, changing gears a little. You're a big sure. baseball fan. Uh, I am. Some people have worried that baseball's losing popularity because younger sports fans mm-hmm. want um, sort of more active viewing experiences. And I was curious if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think that it's funny because um, these conversations, when you really, like, the, when I say the conversations, I mean what you said, like, baseball's worried like where that conversation is coming from, because I, I mean, I, I can agree that, yeah, maybe younger fans want something faster and, and a more interesting viewing experience. But I would say that baseball is maybe losing fans because you literally cannot watch it unless you have $200 you can spend a month to watch it. And I think that is the bigger problem is that um, the viewing experience of it is being so squeezed out. Like you can't even go to a game without spending $50. You know, and like I live in a in L.A., I have to drive an hour to go to a minor league ballpark to go watch baseball. So I don't know that it's necessarily that the game itself is uninteresting. It's that the game itself is inaccessible to most people. And that to me is what the bigger issue is, you know, because I know a lot of people that are baseball fans and they have no problem with the the way the game works. You know, I think that the lack of accessibility is to the, to the actual product is what is actually uh, underlining all of this issue. People have called St. Louis the number one baseball town. I'm kind of curious, how, how have your experiences differed between the various parts of the country that you've lived in when it's come to baseball and that sort of communal viewing experience? Sure. I mean, in terms of lived-in places, I've lived in, um, I mean, I'm from Akron, Ohio, and that's, you know, northeastern Ohio, so... Cleveland baseball fans there and then and I mean people are really big fans of that team and what's funny about that area is that most people are still fans of the 1995 team so when you see people go to the ballpark they're still wearing their 95 stuff which is pretty funny and I think the current players are not necessarily stoked about it but it just is what it is Uh, and then I lived in Chicago for a while which I apologize St. Louis but um you know, big baseball town there. I just think what's funny is St. Louis is the best baseball town in, in the United States. And so is Houston. And so is Los Angeles. And so, you know, it's like every place that has a team, there is a community around that team. And the b- baseball community specifically is something that I have really loved being a part of. It's also difficult because everybody thinks they're the best at everything. It, you know, there's this competition within fans to be the best fan. And, uh, when once you can get around that and find the people who just really love the sport for kind of the same reason we all do, and we can just kind of talk about that and enjoy that together, 
that's what I truly love. And that you can find in any city. Once you can get past the team, <laughs> you know, and the rivalry, and you can get into your actual love of the game, um, that's where the real, like, relationships start. And that's, that's what I truly love about this game, is that you can have that conversation anywhere in the country. And honestly, anywhere in the world, because I've had that conversation in Dublin, Ireland. That was comedian Rhea Butcher talking with St. Louis Public Radio's Kay Petron. Butcher's Good Things Comedy Tour is headed for St. Louis this Sunday evening at the Ready Room in the Grove. Doors open at 7 p.m. and the show gets going at 8 p.m. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.